0: If I had a list, I had told God, I'm going to tear it up. You're going to have to make this list based on who you want me to have. Because what I've been picking or thinking was okay to go out with was not the one, you know.
1: Go to dinner. and We just just having just a casual conversation and finally got to the dessert. And I was like, hey, James, can you um, bring um, apple pie? And he goes, sure. She asked, she asked her and she was like, no, go am fine. Thank you. So James comes out with two dishes, and she's so funny, she's like, excuse me, I
0: didn't order this. I, I said, oh, I didn't order any pie. Take a girl and a guy, and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is Couples Synergy.
2: Welcome back to another episode of Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray.
3: And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships.
2: Please check us out online on our Facebook page and Instagram at Couple Synergy or our website, coupleSynergy.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couple Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform. Their relationships for over 20 years.
3: You know, every day we get to hear intimate details about a couple's celebrations, disappointments, and everyday challenges. We've often wished these stories were shared because we know we are more similar than different. So we've created not only an avenue where you can hear about people's intimate lives, but an atmosphere where people come over to our home pub, pour a
2: drink, and share their stories. People like today's guests, Daryl and Veronica Williams. They are both master certified light. Coaches, keynote speakers, and workshop facilitators who provide clients with expertise in the realm of leadership, relationships, and purpose. Darrell's leadership coaching is based on a stellar 20-year military career where he traveled as an operations and vice presidential communications officer leading over 500 White House missions. And Veronica is a licensed minister and has been involved in life coaching for many years, and her experience has influenced women and strengthened couples throughout the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. Welcome so much to our show, the two of you. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you for having us. us. So you guys have a lot of background history and have been helping a lot of people for many years now. Before we get to that and kind of the work that you do, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves? How old are you and how long have you been together?
1: Sure. So interesting. We're both 55 Both of our birthdays are in February, but she's older than me.
0: I'm five days older.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And an interesting fact about us is we grew up in Compton, California, and we both went to the same middle and high school, but we never dated. And we ended up meeting um, after our 10-year reunion, kind of reconnecting.
2: Oh, did you know each other when you were back in the school together? We knew each other but it was mainly,
1: we all had the same friends. So it was a really interesting story where I like I knew of her and definitely knew she was one of the smart young ladies in the school, but we just never really connected on a you know, deeper friendship.
2: Wow. So then you guys reconnected at a reunion. Yes. at around 10 year reunion. How did that go?
1: It was interesting because um, at that time, um, you know, just kind of showed up there to celebrate, you know, those 20 years at Compton High and or 10 years, rather. And then at that time, I was in uh, the D.C. area, so I flew out to California with Veronica and everybody was. And it was just funny just after that, so I reconnected with people and she was definitely one of those friends that definitely admired and said, hey, let's just kind of stay connected, right? And then just over those uh, few years after that, Uh, We just saw that the friendship just kind of moved into a different direction.
2: And what was it about each other that you fell in love with?
0: Well, for me, um, we were both Christians, and he was a real Christian, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And what I mean by that, um, in singleness, you meet other guys that have a faith um in God and say that they go to church and that they do certain things, but they're not as active and they're not as committed. And so for him, uh, for me to uh be shown his character and who he really was as far as um his commitment to God and um and and ministry. Um, that is what impressed me about him but more importantly, just conversating, and building a friendship and feeling really comfortable about him. I was typically a little shy back then, growing to be bold a little bit, but at the same time, um, in our friendship, we talked about so many things. I was comfortable with him. And we spent hours talking, and part of that, I looked at it from a bigger picture as far as seeing who he really was, what type of guy is this, is he really, you know? And um, is this someone that I wanna continue to spend my time with and where is it going? Um, but I didn't really have to answer those questions. He um, he pretty much proved where he was going.
2: So what age were you when you guys met up again at the reunion?
0: We were 28. We were 28. Um, of course, for me, I was single, wasn't really dating anybody, had some male friends, but they weren't, um, the relationships or the friendships weren't going in the direction of marriage or anything in that sort and um, when I met Darrell, I was just at a pivotal point in my life where I was fine and comfortable with being single because I was so sold out in my faith and in the ministry that I worked in at my church that I figured God would send him around the corner when we were both ready. And it happened to me that it was Darrell around the corner Um and that's how, from just talking to each other, really learning about each other, having fun, laughing, um, developing a friendship, um, and then seeing how it made a uh, a huge shift. And um, I had to decide whether I was ready for that shift.
1: And then for me, um, I was in the DC area again, getting ready to uh PCS to Korea for one year. I knew I was coming back to the D.C. area, so, you know, when we were talking as friends, it was more of, okay, definitely don't want to keep her hanging like that. So I was like, hey, if you happen to, you know, obviously meet somebody while I'm gone and, and have those conversations shift, totally understand because I definitely want to respect the friendship.
3: And what prompted you to join the military?
1: So for me, uh, growing up in Compton, um, I grew up during the time of boys in the hood, and my brother and sister grew up during the time of straight out of college. So um, at that time, I'm sure it was like the fourth most dangerous city in the United States. And I just had to make a decision as the oldest of four. Like, what am I going to do with my life? I knew that we did not have the money or any type of resources for college, right? So that definitely wasn't going to be a, a possibility. And I was so interested. My junior year, I ran into a recruiter, and I was like, man, I don't want to have to talk to this guy. So I just made some excuse, like, hey, I'm going to, the, uh, to college. And he was like, oh, what college are you going to? And I was like, I don't know, Little Rock, uh, Arkansas, University of Arkansas. And he opened up this book, Gene, and had, like, the prices of, like, the cost and tuition and everything. And it just, like, I had an aha moment, like, you know what, this is about to get serious. Maybe you know, I need to listen to this guy. So I just listened to his pitch, and it just made sense. He was talking about, you know, you get to travel the world with the military. I'm pay for your education, and you get to learn a train. And I was like, you know what? That sounds like a great idea. I didn't have anything else lined up. So for me, I actually signed up on what they call the delayed entry program. So I was, before high school, uh, my senior year, I already joined the military. I just had to keep my nose clean and not get into trouble
2: and which branch did you join
1: yeah i served in the army for 20 years as a military resources uh, supervisor.
2: great well th- thank you for your service um, well thank you
3: did you know that when you were going in that you'd be a career person
1: The first four years, I did not. I really was just trying to get a feel for it. And I was really fortunate. I had two cousins, one was in the Navy and one was in the Army. They only did their first enlistment. And I was able to talk to them before I joined. And both of them, without knowing what the other said, uh, both told me, don't go in there just to get a stereo system. Don't go in there just to get a car. I mean, they were like, you know, really pay attention to what's going on. And if there's nothing out here by the time, Your first enlistment is up, go ahead and stay in. And they both said their biggest regrets is that they did not stay in the military. So it was on my mind, but I wasn't sure until after those first four years.
3: Yeah, it always seems like when you get close to that re up, then you're like, oh, and then you do it again and do it again. That's true. (laughs) As opposed to it being a big plan. Yeah. That's right.
1: That's exactly Mm -hmm. right. Yeah.
2: And where were you guys at in your lives when you? met back up and in the at the reunion so
1: at that time like you said Veronica was sold out I was on the east coast sold out and I was actually working with youth I was like a youth director at that time wasn't a youth minister yet but just working with youth I just had this great um, passion for just helping steer kids in the right direction and uh, being able to do that in a faith-based environment was really cool for me because you know some kids you know they're like oh that Bible stuff that's old doesn't mean anything to me, and I just love taking those older stories and bringing them into up-to-date times, and they were like wow is that what that really means, and they were I was like yeah, so we were both kind of on a faith-based journey and not really looking to get married, uh, but just doing whatever God had called us to do and trying to you know live out our purpose.
3: So you're pretty far apart and you're getting to know each other over a long period of time. What mm-hmm. happens after that?
0: Well, um, after that, we talked um, and it was a particular um, New Year's. Um, we had talked for several hours that day. He was here on the East Coast. I was on the West Coast. Um, the day had passed by because, of course, it was a three hour difference, time difference. And I had already made a commitment to go out with some friends. And I just, I said, oh, my there, my ride is going to be here soon. So I, I got to hurry up and get off. And it was nice talking to you. You know, we'll talk again. I didn't realize we had talked this long, but it was just so smooth. So um, we, we just meshed. So I went to my event that I had for New Year's um, and when I got back home he had left me a voicemail message. Back then we leave voicemail messages and the tone was different. Um, The the sound was different. It was just something different about it and so me being who I am I was like whoa, lord that sounds a little bit different. I'm not going to call him back for three days because I'm going to be praying about this. And so for three days, I didn't call him back. He didn't call me either. He really waited for me to call him. And somehow on that third day, um, I think it was um, a Monday, Tuesday, a Wednesday, um, we both actually had Bible study on Wednesdays. And so when I got home from Bible study, I think we had connected. He had called me and um, we talked. And I told him, I said, well, you know, your call sounds a little bit more serious than what I thought I was ready for. Um, so that particular call he asked how would i be um how would i feel about taking our friendship a little further into um a long distance relationship and so for me i would tell him i said well the the, for me you're gonna it's gonna have you're gonna have to do something very taboo and you're gonna have to court me and um What I meant by that is you're going to have to really show me that, you know, you want this. And then I said, um, I would like to date with a purpose in mind. Um, Back then, you know, people would date and they figure, oh, we're really going to be boyfriend and girlfriend by the time we're three months in. And then by the fourth month, they separate. There is no relationship. So at this point, I had gotten my heart involved you know i really was liking him i really was interested i knew he was in the military we had always talked about the military what he does what um what it would look like if someone was to marry him and what his life is like and you know for me being a civilian what would it be for a civilian wife in the military um handling um the job that you have which he had a confidential job at the time and um, he was actually on the last seven years of his military career, a lot for me to think about. So we um, talked about it. Um, I told him I would consider it, but you know, just give me some time because, after all, I really never had a real boyfriend. Of course, I dated people, but you know, really, it, I was probably someone that they went out with along with some others. So I wasn't really like number one, but he was showing me all the while that I was number one. And there were certain questions we would ask, there were certain things that we would just get in detail. And by us both being spiritual, um, I really got into the word of God, into my Bible and into uh, my prayer life was already strong. And I would just hear from God. Um, and one of the things I, and I was honest with him, I was like, God, you know, I don't really have, I really never, um, made this type of commitment, even though I hung out with guys for several times, you know, for several months, or even maybe a a couple of years, but a commitment to what I told him about a purpose, you, uh, you're going to have to really prep me for this because at the time I was very close with my family. I was the youngest of a large family. And it was going to require me moving. And I was almost um, somewhat the, since I was the single family member in my uh, family, I often was the one that was dependent on to go take my parents to the doctor or to spend time with them if they needed help or, you know, whatever. So I knew that that was going to be some transition um, time that I would have because I could not imagine myself not ever living in California. And number one, not ever being with my family and all of my friends that were there. And as a result, um, we started talking. That was a January. By March, I call it, he branded me. He sent me a pendant. (laughs) He sent me a pendant in the mail with um, DW on it, standing, you know, that stood for Darrell Williams. And when I got it, I was like, oh, Lord, this this guy is really serious. He's going, I mean, I'm really gonna have to put my foot to the fire and really, really think about what am I doing here? Because for one, um, I was a very private person and I had not shared with my family that Darrell and I were dating. I hadn't really shared that with them. Um, Partly I was private and I didn't really know where it was going. So I didn't want to be disappointed. And I didn't want, uh, and at that time I was really learning how to depend on God and trust him to, 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 um, to guide me. And that's pretty much how our conversations would go as well. The most difficult things that we had to talk about whether it was my student loans, his situation, you know, military transitioning, all of that. We prayed about it, not together, but I would worry about it. And it would be, he would automatically bring it up. And that's what made the comfort level for us is that it was an easy topic for us. Although, naturally, it would be difficult getting to know someone and talking about finances and all of that. But we talked very, very in-depth. And as a result of him branding me, um, I had to really make that decision that... um, Yes, I will say yes to him.
3: What was going on for you? What was the message you left on New Year's? And what was it like for those three days? And how did you decide to brand her?
1: So for me, what happened was I was there with my roommate, was my best friend, we in his condo. And we used to always have these called hallway talk, right? We'd come outside of my door and we'd just sit down and just talk about our day and life. And my friend Mac was like, man, so you've been really seriously with her. Like, what's going on? like, you no, know, could she be the one? And I'm like, the one what? And I'm like, I'm going to go to Korea. Like, what are you talking about? And he really was like, I don't know. I mean, what if there's really something there? And the funny part, Gene, was I was, in my mind, trying to be such a good friend that I was like, you no, know, I can't think about her like that, right? It's not fair for her to wait for me for a year, right? That's, that's not what a friend would do. So the interesting part was I was talking with him, and it was like for the first time I was like I never really looked at it as she was the one. I just loved our conversation. I thought she was a great friend, and once we started talking, it was like, damn, there she is the one, right? And then I started thinking like, okay, well, still not fair for her to wait for me when I go to Korea. So part of me on the inside was we're just gonna stay friends. But like you said, after that talk and New Year's, I was like, okay, I know we talk about the so longest relationship, but I'm like, it's not fair for her to wait, so I need to be really like, is this really the right one as well? So I had to pray about it as well, and then it just kind of hit me like, you know what? If she's gonna wait, you need to make sure there's something worth waiting for. So that's when I went and got the ring, and um, kind of like, okay, you know. It was early in January, so I wasn't leaving for Korea until this, um, the fall. So I pretty much still had up until the summer. So like she said, during that time, you know, building up to the proposal, just more of, like she said, it letting her know that, you know, being in the military, you know, I'm all about commitment, I'm all about purpose, right? So it was like, I don't have time for games, but I was old too, right? 28 years old. Like You, know, you don't have time for games. You're trying to Bring out your career and you know things like that. And um, like I said, those three days it was really like me asking myself, you know, what would be the best thing to help her understand my career? Because that was my biggest thing. And as we talked before the uh, broadcast, you know, military relationships are tough. They're very different. Than most. Um, not saying first responders and those types of individuals have the same similarities, but you know, just from the common civilian marriage, it does take a little bit more. So one of the things um, that I did uh, was just thinking about what those resources I could give her to kind of allow her to, you know, just get an idea of what military service was like.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people they don't know that. There's a lot of misconceptions about, you know, why uh, military couples get married very young. Yes. Right. And, you know, it's a difference between whether you have your spouse on base, you know, and benefits or versus being living separate. And, you know, there's that time frame of deployment and everything. And, you know, so there's a lot more pressure and factors that military couples have that most couples don't. So true,
0: Doctor. Yes, and so as you know, as time went on, I shared um, Durrell with my oldest sister, who was my mentor as well, and um, I let her know about him. And um, all along, Darrell was sending back then. It seems so long ago, but we had cassette tapes where he would just send me nice music because we both liked music mixtapes. <laughs> right 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 and then he would uh cuz we used to call him my a friend of mine and I his best friend and uh his, the his wife and I we called Darrell Radio Raheem because <laughs> our DJ Raheem because he loves music he loves rap music but he loves Christian rap music and he used to rap in high school and so we call him that on the side, and he knows all about it, we call him in front of him. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't surprised by the music, but it was really, really some really good music. And um, it was, it, it, They each song was a message that he was sharing with me. And um, that's how it went. And I was letting him know, I said, well, you know, if you go to Korea and you meet someone, I'm okay with that. If I meet someone I really don't want to make, you know, um, I don't want to do this if this is not meant for us to happen. But there was no shaking him. He was I couldn't shake him. Nothing I could say. And and really it was nothing that I could I could say it verbally, but my heart couldn't shake him. Um, I think he won over my heart for who he was and the kind of individual that he was and Um, you know, a lot of women make lists as to what type of men they want and whatever. If I had a list, I had told God, I'm going to tear it up. You're going to have to make this list based on who you want me to have, because what I've been picking or thinking was okay to go out with was not the one, you know, and um, that's how it all turned out. It turned out that way. You went. um, In the meantime. Um, we did have a little gap where it was about a couple of months where we did not talk after we made this mm-hmm. kind of decision to, um, and that was because his military career took him overseas. Um, Tdy for sure. Tdy for um, But what he did do is he sent me a military spouse book. Um, that was the he, um, he did well. He didn't do it then, but. Eventually, we, he gave me material to read about that. Let's just say that. I don't want to get ahead of our story.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, like, no, I, but I know when he sent it to me. But
3: yeah. So when do you see each other again?
1: So now we get to the good part. So I'm going to Korea and I'm leaving, I think, out of Missouri. And I'm like, wait a minute. they may they fly out of the West Coast. So I called... Um, the people and say, "Hey, where else can I fly out of Korea?" They're like, "Oh, you can fly out of Seattle, Washington." So I'm like, "Perfect, change my flight. I'm Want to fly to Seattle?" So during this time, now I'm like, "I got the ring, right? I'm like, I'm going to propose to her. I'm not going to have her waiting without having something on her finger. It just wasn't fair." <laughs> so I did at that time. I was working um, for the White House communication days, right? Doing a lot of travel, going back and forth. And what was so interesting was. Toward my first end of that career, uh, before I went to Korea, they moved me to the recruiting team because I had so much experience. I like, hey, you can travel with us, right? That would be great. You kind of have a good feel for some of these recruits. And one of the places we went to was Seattle, Washington. Uh, The hotels, everything around here for a whole week of recruiting. I'm like, man, this is a really nice place. So fast forward, when I find out that I'm flying out of Seattle, so I get her a call, like, hey, I'm flying out of Seattle. And she didn't know anything about, you know, the proposal or anything, right? Like, I'm flying out of Seattle. just want to know if you're in schedule permit, then we can connect on the weekend, you know, different rooms and all that good stuff and just kind of, sh- you know, share some time before I go to Korea. So she said yes. And the good thing for me is I knew where we were going to be staying. So I was able to call back to the hotel and say, "Hey, this is um, me from the White House Communication Group that was there." Yeah, yeah. And they had a huge restaurant there that was really nice. I mean, it was a lot of spacey, but it was very intimate. So I called the the manager and said, "Hey, uh, I'm going to be there. I'm going to propose right uh, to my girlfriend, and I really want to get that one booth." Right, that's in in the center of your uh, restaurant. He's like, absolutely, it's not a problem. We got you covered. And um, so once she showed up, right, um, kind of freshened up, just kind of talked, and it's like, okay, let's go out to dinner, right? I already know the restaurant. So we go to the restaurant and my man James, I already hooked up with James, right, gave him the ring. And at that time, she wasn't a big dessert person. So I said, James, I'm going to order two apple pies, right? Put them underneath the dish. One will be for me. And the other one would be the ring for her. And I already know she's going to say, I didn't order pie. I said, "But leave it anyway. Yeah. So we had all set go to dinner. And we are just having just a casual conversation. And finally got to the dessert. And I was like, hey, James, can you um, bring um, apple pie? And he you goes know, sure. She asked. She asked her. and She was like, no, "I'm fine, thank you." So James comes out with two plate dishes, and she's so funny. She's like, "Excuse me, I didn't order this."
0: <laughs> I, I said, "Oh, I didn't order any pie." He said, "But here's your pie." You know, and I mean, literally, and it was the um. it it, it was theatrical it was a silver you know I think of it like the French you know the French maze it was it was very nice very very nice and he was like here's your pie and I was like okay never mind just leave it you know because I didn't want to cause a ruckus like James I didn't I didn't want any pie so he leaves it um
1: and then from there um i kind of went into this field, you know, I mean, military, right, practice speech over and over, right, and um, I started telling her, like, you know, these last couple of months, I've never expected to feel this way uh, when I'm going to Korea, but you are really special, and for anybody that's special with you, you shouldn't have to wait, people need to let you know how much they care about you. So I got on one knee and it was so funny. It just seemed like the whole restaurant just started looking at us like, oh my gosh, I think he's proposing up there. And um, I opened up the pie dish, and my man James hooked it up, had the ring sitting right where it needed to be, took it out, gave it to her, and hit that last line, will you marry me? But then I had a pause because the wrong started (laughs) hyperventilating. So they had to bring her a bag. You know, like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm still
0: waiting on yes. <laughs> mind you, I hadn't told my parents that I was going to visit him. I was just going on vacation. My sister knew I was going to visit with Darrell, but I hadn't told they hadn't known about him that much. Um and so I was more nervous about when I get back home, I gotta tell my parents that I'm engaged, you know. Because you still never, uh, even though I lived on my own, you're still never, uh, you're, the baby of the family is never really um, independent of the parents when they have a really good relationship. And so that was really what I was scared about. But I did eventually get myself together, get some water, get, you know, and I did say yes. And um, that's
1: and then an interesting point. When it was time to tell her parents, that's like, she's like we got to call her parents, right? So, called her mom and dad and um, it was so cool. Um, and dad was like, that's nice. Looking forward to meeting you. But, <laughs> 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 you know, like, hey, congratulations. It was like, yeah, this thing is a hold until I see you. <laughs> that's <laughs>
2: so awesome. Cool. So, what was the time frame from when you first started dating to the proposal? How long did that was that?
1: So it was like really like from that January um, ninety seven to August. I left in August to go to Korea in ninety seven. So like from January to August.
2: Okay, so that's a pretty short time, right? It was. Mm-hmm. It really was.
0: But total, it was about nine months or so that because because even though we kind of put it at that point we had already we already were probably committed to one another anyway but just wasn't saying it and we were okay with that
1: mm-hmm. True.
0: so
3: so how was it meeting the family
1: so what i did was and when you go to korea right they give you the option to do your to call it your mid-tour leave Right, so after six months, right, you can go, you normally go back home, refresh, get yourself together for 30 days, and then you come back and finish your last six months. So for me, we were talking, I was like, you know what, I really don't need to go back to D.C., right, we're going to live there. So I was like, why don't we go, I'm going to come to California, that way I can meet the family. And then one thing that we were committed to doing was we wanted to do um, premarital counseling. And her church I had a great counselor, Pastor Haig, to this day, a loving man, He's so awesome. So it was like, I'm going to come back, I'm going to plan the wedding, and then uh, do the mid year counsel. I mean, do the premarital counseling, and then also meet the family. So it was so interesting, meet the family, because again, I'm the oldest, right? And she's the youngest, right? So it's not like this young guy that's 20 something trying to figure life out. It's like, I'm a career military person at this time. I won't be like she said, my last couple of years or two tours left, but I knew we were going to be at the same spot. So it was really interesting dynamic because you now here's this guy that they never met that's very confident in what he says and how he says it. And then here's Veronica, who's kind of like very shy, kind of to herself. And it was so cool because meeting the dad, like he was a big sports guy. Right. So I'm like, I'm in there. He's a doctor fan. I'm a doctor fan. And when I went, um, she picked me up I went straight to there because I want to make sure I talked to dad and really, like, I know I kind of skipped a little bit of the uh, normal steps, but I want to do things right. I really, you know, want to make sure that you're okay with marrying your daughter, even though, like I said, she's 28. Right. But the interesting part was, he and I talked about sports so much. We talked about the Bible. We talked—I mean, we talked about everything. And I remember Veronica was like, "What are they talking about in there? What's going on?" And we went to a separate room, you know, in the den. And it really wasn't until like the very end I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I really want to make sure you I ask your permission to, you know, for marrier. And he was like, "Oh, you're good." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love. I just love that story. That whole it was so cool.
0: And my mother, on the other hand, was like, "Is he trying to marry you to get that base pay? <laughs> Is that what it's called?"
1: Uh, something
0: like that <laughs> to get that extra pay because my mother had brothers that was in the military and that had careers so she was like you better make sure you're not trying to and so my mother was like you better make sure he's not, he's not just marrying you just so he can get that extra income and live on base for, uh, because he got a wife he gets the extra pay <laughs> I was like mom I'm pretty sure it's not that and you know we talked and everything my mom she did eventually open up to mm-hmm. him um, because, but I think the the hard part for my parents was um, envisioning me not being in California. Because, of course, I was close with my family, um, but we were all in preparation for that. I had a family meeting where I had um, all my siblings and my mom and my dad, um, and we talked out. You know, I let them know I had planned the wedding. I I let them know that this is the wedding and um, I'm taking each of your, what you guys are each good at. And that's how I'm going to put you in the wedding. You know, um, I had one sister, she raised her hand and she was like, are you taking suggestions? I said, we're taking them, but do not be offended if they're not used. <laughs> And so uh, my one brother was on the floor. He was like, "Oh my goodness, she finally got her voice! You know, she's (laughs) able to uh, speak up and not let you guys rule her." And
1: then another interesting thing was um, later that year, uh, her parents about to celebrate. I think it was like 50 years in marriage. Mm -hmm. So one of the other questions was, you know, is she gonna be able to come back to this event? I'm like, absolutely, right. So now here's me thinking, okay, military, right? How do you make that big splash? Well, you know, Korea, they are great if you give them a picture and they can paint that picture, I mean, to the T. So she, I said, hey, I need you to send me a picture of your mom and dad. She's like, for well, what? That's gonna be our gift to them for the 50 years. And oh my gosh, Ray and Jean they, they it's this really beautiful picture and they painted it like they were like a um, Egyptian king and queen. It was like their face in this background, beautiful picture. I mean, just huge, right? So I get this thing on time, another tour, right, from Korea. And um, she's at the event, so I couldn't wait to hear about it, right? And, you know, it was so funny how she had everything covered up. So obviously when she gave her gift, uh, needless to say, it just stole the show. Right. I mean, you couldn't even top that. So I knew after that, I was like, I'm i good with mom and dad for life.
0: Yes. <laughs> and they do. They loved him. They were, um, they were like, yeah, he's the one.
3: <laughs> what was it like adjusting to finally living together and being apart from your family?
1: So that part is definitely when I sent her a book. Muncha has some really good books. So I sent her this book called Um uh, uh, the life of a military spouse. One of the best things I could have did. Like, one thing, like I said, my friend. So I wanted her to know everything. I wanted her to be prepared, right? So I sent her that book that really kind of started off that separation and get her note. And another thing I did was I paid for her to come visit me in Korea for Thanksgiving. Hmm. I wanted her to see, this is what a goose on the ground looks like. Now, granted, right, I was coming back to D.C. to a... We call a special assignment organization. But I just wanted her to know that this is what the military really looks like. And that trip was really good because I mean, she's down there seeing tanks rolling down. Because in Korea, you know, they do exercises every other month, right? Preparing for an invasion, right, from North Korea to South Korea. So she was able to really see, like, oh my God, this is like real. So you know, the preparation of living apart from family—it was really a good idea to help her. Because she really knew, like, what was going to happen. And then when I came back right before we went to uh, we got from, from the wedding, we did the second part of our counseling. And here's the interesting part. Um, Pastor Hay is looking over our paperwork, right? So we had to both ask all these questions, talk to each other about see what we wrote. And then he was going to go over them and then discuss them with us. So we get to the counselor thing, and he's like, I need you to sit down. I'm like, okay, what's going on here? And he starts off like, all my years of doing this counseling, I'm like, oh, my gosh, no way. He's not going to say something negative. And he goes, I've never seen two couples on paper that were so ready and connected to be married. And that just gave us the biggest, it's like, you know, in our own mind, we knew we were you know, right for each other. But when he said that, I mean, that really just sets a tone for the rest of our relationship moving forward. So um, we get married um, in California, then we get ready to drive back. And the cool thing about that, we drove across country right, from California to Maryland. So, imagine all the conversation we had. I mean, it wasn't pretty much anything I didn't know about her that she didn't know about me, because we talked about everything going through, you know, we went to school together, but it was like all those little things, right? So, it was really, really cool. So, coming to uh, Maryland, I mean, she was so awesome, because I was telling her, don't rush to get a job, take your time, right? And, um, little miss busy here she called me one day and i'm like hey what's going on she's like i'm coming home from work like where'd you get a job (laughs) (laughs) so independent so just i mean she was really a true model military spouse which is that independence piece
0: yeah i didn't think he he probably felt that i um wasn't gonna adjust to, to driving from California to the DC area. People kind of tell you, oh, it's a lot of traffic. You have to, you know, it's a lot different from California that you have to go about 15 miles or 15 minutes on the highway before you can get off and all of that. But what happened was, had called an agency just to inquire and they was like oh you want to come in today I have a job already (laughs) you know you can go today I'm like are you serious I said let me try it so the lady I said well I'm new here I have never been um to that area yet I've gone before but I haven't driven so she gave me the directions how to get there and I followed the directions I arrived there I was there um went on the interview and they were like um, can you start today? I'm like, well, just call the agency. I'm available this evening. You know, it was a job that I wanted, it was working um at a pharmaceutical um company as a researcher. So it was really great. Um and I think what happened is Darrell had called me to ask me where was I? Because I, I think he made it home. And I was like, Oh, I'm pulling in, I'm just coming from work. And so I hadn't had an opportunity to even call him. And tell him where I was going, because he usually would always, we call it a recon in the military. <laughs> he always would want to do a recon, or he always made sure that I had the, in, the directions. He was like, how did you find it? I said, you know me, I'm a Cali girl. We get around. We don't stay still, right? So it was very uh, fun, and I think it was really um, reassuring for him that, oh, she's not going to have any problems um, adjusting. And not only did he give me the book, but when we got here, um, we wound up going to his church and I met two ladies there who were, um, the men was his friends and they really welcomed me. He had his first tour, maybe a, about a month after we were there. And it was like, well, he's out of town when you want to go to lunch. So I met them. I met them for breakfast. Actually, they were two sister-in-laws. Um, and they were, um, dynamite for me they were they really gave me um the the tidbits of what made their marriages successful and what to do and how marriages can be successful even with um your your spouse having a um, high stressful job and um being in demand and having to go away and not you may not know the destination until it shows up on tv which was most of the cases for us And so um, I adjusted well, I believe, Um, because I was disciplined in my civilian life, um, being a part of coming into the military life, it just rolled right over. It wasn't a very um, hard thing. I don't think we, there was some minor um, adjustments because there was times when there was events and he couldn't go and I had to go by myself. Um, those are some of the difficult changes in that um, living together for us it was easy we didn't worry about um, toothpaste you know you squeeze it from the top I squeeze it from the bottom or I like my tissue to roll out from the bottom you like yours over we didn't really have all of that I think we were really in a um, a process of just trying to make sure that we were meeting each other's needs, not worried about our own needs, but meeting each other's needs. And I think that's what really made it successful along with us um, both being um, having a faith that led us and guided us in who we were spiritually and as individuals.
2: What sparked, what sparked your um, interest in wanting to help Military couples, you know, and coach them, and what 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 got you interested in
1: that? So for me, uh, being a supervisor, right, being in a heavy travel organization, I saw firsthand what it looks like, right, Um, and it it can be devastating. So even though at that time when I when I wasn't married, right, seeing them go through that, and after I got married, even having a big heart for them, it's like I wanted to make sure that every military couple has, every resource possible to be successful, right? So that was really the rush, being able to see that firsthand. And it was so great with Veronica, because now here's this military spouse that moved all the way from California, didn't know the military, right? But just her confidence, the way she carried herself, her faith, it was something that other young women could look up to and say, wow, you know, I really like how you carry yourself, right? How do you handle this? How do you do that? So she was just a natural. So for me, again, we always talk about, you know, using our gifts, right? And I told her that I think that when we get married, God's going to use us to help other military couples, right? I think this is going to be a natural thing. It's not going to be anything we have to, you know, go out of character to do. I think it's going to naturally flow. And that's kind of what happened, right? As people were uh, PCSing in or to organizations, somebody would always direct them to our, hey, here's another young couple, we we'll want to introduce them to you guys, right? And we just started off, and it was so cool, because it wasn't like somebody told us to come see you because you help couples. It was somebody said we should know you. Yes. And every couple that we helped, it was really just out of friendship. It yes. never was, all right, we're going to use you guys as guinea pigs to coach you, right? It was just, hey, let's just talk. Let's, you know, come over. You know, Broncos. She's a great chef. I don't even call her cook anymore, right? She's like a great chef. So I was like, "Hey, yeah, I got this young couple, I invited them over, and she was so open. Like, yeah, yeah, I asked them on the weekend, they would have come, and it was so cool because anything over food is always great. So we were able to allow them to be comfortable, and then we just talked about life and what they wanted, and I think those were the things that helped us um, help other couples because, we didn't sit down with them intentionally to do that. It was just a natural progression. And they would always, like, we had so much fun at your guys' home. We called our parents and told them we met this great couple, and they were happy for us now. So it was just a natural progression.
0: And for the women that I met, you know, they just befriended me. They liked that I was open. They liked that I was a listener. And then I didn't have any judgment. You know, it was like they felt they knew that I was a confidential person just by how I carried myself is the reason why they wanted to do that. Um, And even with that, um, teaching Bible study and Sunday school, the young people felt so comfortable with me that they would tell me to come to pray for their parents. (laughs) And I said, oh my gosh, if their parents knew that they were telling me their business, they would be. (laughs) But it gave us an opportunity for me to have Durello go and be or just have a conversation with that father. Yeah. And then we could have dinner with them. So the kids didn't realize that they were, we were at their best interest to kind of help their families who might have been going through some struggles. Um, and we just always just tell people that, you know, marriage takes sacrifice. Um, you know, I like how Darrell always says it's about divorcing yourself. Um, for me, it's also about being authentic, being honest, being truthful and um, building a relationship of friendship before you even try to go deeper and to just don't talk surface talk, but to talk the deeper things in life, um, to really realize what you guys do have in common and the things that may be um, a little different um, How do you make those things work as well and adjust and allowing each other to be individuals and then to uh, and giving the women their voice. Some women felt like they didn't have their voice, especially for those spouses that were in leadership at work. They didn't know how to transition from being a leader at work to a leader at home. And I think that's where the breakdown is in some of the marriages
1: And that was a great part that allowed me. So it never was me um, uh, telling them what to do, but just asking those men some questions that made them go back and go, wow. I knew they were doing it to the wife, but I never put it like that. I just asked them certain questions. What can you do to make things better the next time you come back from the department? What can you do to make them... And they were like, wow. I got like a whole list of things that I can do He's like, I appreciate the conversation. I'm like, hey, man, that's what we're here for, right? We help each other, you know. And just like Ronka said, just having just general conversations over food allowed a lot of the couples just to open up and share. And um, it, it was just an awesome thing to do.
3: What advice would you give someone that is considering getting married and living a military lifestyle?
1: One of the things I would tell them is, first of all, find a mentor couple. I am very big on mentors because why would you want to have someone that's already walked that walk, talked the talk, had those challenges, right? It just makes so much sense to, and I always say, you know, an older, wise couple, not a couple that's the same age as you, right? Not your friends, not her friends. It needs to be an older couple because when you have a mentor couple, and you can have more than one. I tell them that, yes, you're gonna make mistakes, but you're gonna make less mistakes and they're gonna be smaller mistakes. So one of the biggest things I always share them is um, please get connected with a mentor couple and then connect and know about the resources that are available. Right, if you're a young couple and you know, maybe you didn't manage money that well, guess what, the military has a platform that can help young couples with financial uh, literacy. Right. Uh, If you're talking about having children or I guess what, the military has a program for first time moms and dads. So just uh, mentors and then connecting with resources.
0: And also, I would say um, getting into a premarital course, Um, you know, it could be through a life coach or Mm -hmm. it could be through um marriage counselors um, whatever fits your need for if it's something deep from your both of your past that you guys have not gotten over and worked through we always refer you to the marriage counselors those that really specialize in digging from the the root of a situation and out if it's something just to move you from today on you guys are ready and you want to decide you know you don't really have anything from your past that is preventing you um, to to even start your family or start you know a life together then I would say a life coach um, or a relationship coach would be able to help guide you into that um those are some of the key things that I, um, collectively, I believe that we'll be able to help um, younger couples. And what you find is that um, it's not even so much that they're young in age, but you find a lot of people that are second timers, you know, divorced or widowed. Mm-hmm. And um, going back into that dating scene and meeting someone, that's a good time to do it. You know to um, so that you can learn not to make the same mistakes and not even just make the same mistakes, but it you learn new ways of work or how relationships are de- developing now
2: i would I would add to everything you said and say that you know seek out mentor mentorship and you know relationship counseling and life coaching of people who have experience. Mm-hmm. Right, living at that military life because I mean, there's some really serious factors that most people don't consider. There are high rates of divorce, as you mentioned, and high rates of alcoholism, drug abuse, and suicide as well. And so, you know, there are there's always that kind of mortality, you know, piece that's just hanging over people's heads. Once you sign that blank check to go, you know, <laughs> to the government, <laughs> right? right? Yes, and, right. And so these young couples, they, they're not really, uh, you know, familiar with that and, and all of those factors involved. And, you know, a, a couple like yourselves that have that experience would be able to guide them in the best way.
0: Yeah, it, absolutely. And the thing about it is um, if you're already having some issues before you want to say I do and before you start planning, it's a good time to seek out someone then um, because you want to prevent any red flags. You know, um the red flags can be someone either one either spouse uh to be has um an addiction and they and is in denial of it um it may be something that is subtle, but there could be some abuse there, so it's a lot of little things that when we meet with couples, we can see some of the things that are very quick to pick up, and then there's some things that are very subtle. That people just accept because they might have grown up in a family that didn't operate and 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 look like um, a healthy marriage, and so we just call it. Um, let's just strive to have a healthy marriage, you know, because no no marriage is perfect, but every marriage can strive to be healthy.
1: Absolutely. So,
3: Absolutely. if someone were listening to this and wanted to get a hold of you guys, how could they find you?
1: Sure. So they can definitely uh, find us on Facebook under Alliance Seminars Coaching, and they can always go to our website, which is um, Alliance Seminars
2: S.org. Wonderful. Well, we'll put those all in the show notes, mm-hmm. too, for everybody.
3: And what should they look for of when it would be a good time for them to, you know, seek out these type of things that you guys do?
1: Well, we would just tell them, like Veronica said, when they're kind of serious about the relationship, um, they can come um, talk to us. A lot of people, it's so funny, they think, well, we're not engaged yet, so we don't want to waste your time. We're like, no, no, we talk to dating couples as well, because guess what? It's a thing called dating with a purpose. And if we can help you date with a purpose and just talk about some um, things that, you know, good to avoid, hey, the earlier the better.
3: So last question, what is it that your partner does that, you know, they love you?
0: <laughs> um, I know that Darrell loves me when he comes, when I might be cooking and he'll come in behind me and kiss my neck. <laughs> and then there's subtle times when he might send me a text. Or, um, um, it's the way that he, it's a look. Um, that shows me that you know he loves me. he looks like it looks almost like when we first got married that I'm like, Ooh, and I'm like, Ooh, what's going on over there? you know <laughs> so, but I know that he loves me because he shows me just really every day um and even you know, we make sure that we meet each other's needs um I think because he's he's so selfless that he worry about meeting my needs as far as I'm a, um he knows my love language and I think by him meeting my love language he knows uh and he strives at that every day that's how I know he loves me
1: And then for me, um, knowing her love language, right? So instead of watching the games, right, downstairs and far apart, right, I call up next to her when I'm watching the game or something like that. And then I know as soon as I get close to her, you know, that she gets even closer, right? So that's how I definitely know that she loves me because she's always willing to be as close as she can with me. And um, one of the things I definitely... Um, kind of share with people is you know, you definitely want to, again, get rid of that selfless piece, I mean selfish piece and be more selfless Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the great things that Pastor Hay told us when we were going to marriage counseling, I remember like it was yesterday he said, bro, you have one job uh, to do in this marriage, I said Pastor Hay, you tell me what it is, I'm going to do it, I promise, I'm going to use all my military training and everything in me he goes, your job is to make sure that she, should, she fulfills her purpose on this earth. That's it. He said, if you do that, everything else for you is going to fall in place. And I tell you, Jean, he was so right. Like my whole thing, I always tell people, I'm her executive assistant, right? I'm her booking agent. It's like whatever she needs me to do, that's what I do for her. And I can say, you know, 24 years, um, Whatever I did for her, I got it back tenfold.
3: And that That's how it ends. works. Yeah, it's all about what you can give.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we always believe that uh, the goal of every relationship is to help your partner become a better version of themselves.
0: Yes, we agree with that.
2: <laughs> well, Darrell and Veronica, we want to thank you so much for being on our podcast today. This has been quite a joy.
1: Thank you. Oh, thank you. We're so much. happy as well. Yeah, enjoyed you guys. And I just love what you're doing. Thank you so much for doing this.
2: Thank you.
3: You know, sharing stories is ways that human beings have been bonding and healing and growing since the beginning of time. And we hope that by you guys sharing your story, it's enriched your lives and the lives of our listeners. Yes.
2: We want to wholeheartedly thank all of you for joining us today for listening to Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as the home study course, Relationship 101, the Couples Weekend Intensive, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple. Look us up online at com.
3: And if you know someone who could benefit from this episode, please download it and share it. And thank you for listening.
2: Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love.
0: You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced. By Dr.
3: Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez.